This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Nightlight has partnered with Fan Roll Dice by Metallic Dice Games to offer an exclusive discount on one of their gorgeous dice sets that we've fallen in love with because of their satisfying weight and, let's just be honest, sparklies not to mention their impeccably constructed dice accessories. In one word, velvet. Visit fanrolldice.com, that's F-A-N-R-O-L-L-D-I-C-E dot com, and use our discount code NIGHTLIGHT for 10% off any new additions to your dice hoard. A portion of your purchase will come back to us and help support our shows. So go to fanrolldice.com with the discount code NIGHTLIGHT to get 10% off of any additions to your dice hoard. Hi, I'm Tanya Ransom, creator and executive producer of Nightlight, a horror podcast featuring creepy tales written and performed by Black creatives from all over the world. This week, we have a haunting tale of monsters, both those within us and those outside of us. But before we get to creepy old women who know more about yourself than you do, I want to take a moment to say thanks to our newest patrons. Thanks to Warren and today's narrator, Shy for joining the Nightlight Legion. Thanks also to Alicia for increasing your contribution. Nightlight will be produced year-round thanks to the Nightlight Legion, and now we'd love to bring you new episodes every single week. Just go to patreon.com slash nightlightpod to join the Nightlight Legion and get a shout-out on the podcast. And don't forget, Nightlight merch is available, and you can support us by sporting Nightlight-branded gear. Just go to merch.nightlightpod.com to get your t-shirts, hoodies, notebooks, and more. Now sit back, turn out the lights, and enjoy Sweet Tooth, written by Nicole Givens-Kurtz, narrated by Mshai Dash, Originally published in The Big Bad, Volume 2. Bryce Howerton disliked black licorice. It tasted like leftover ash mixed with high fructose corn syrup, something burnt and overly sweetened. After spitting it out, he couldn't get the aftertaste to fade. There just wasn't enough bubblegum to mask the lingering coat on his tongue. He scratched his itchy cornrow braids and spat again. It seemed to be glazed all over his mouth, and he continued to rake his tongue over his teeth in an attempt to clear it. Walking along the cracked and broken sidewalk that threaded through weathered brick apartments, Bryce and Marquise liked killing time on a lazy fall afternoon. I just bought that, complained Marquise between wet, loud licks of his cherry lollipop. His eyes followed the hunk of black, licorice-colored spittle. I could have used that dollar for a pop. Bryce shrugged. He dug around his threadbare jean pockets, and his heart brightened when his fingers brushed another crinkled dollar. Hmm, that was for his pop. With his other hand, he held up the remaining offensive licorice. Nasty. But nasty didn't cover it. Bryce frowned at the twisted, waxy piece of candy left over in his fist. Marquise didn't get it. Anything coming out of Mama Shook's place couldn't be trusted. Why he hadn't told Bryce where he bought it until after he put it in his mouth? bothered him. A brother deserved fair warning. You should have told me where you got it. Why that matter? Marquise asked idly. 
Most of his concentration centered on the collection of change in his open palm. His lips moved as he counted how much money he had left. Bryce opened his mouth to answer, but shut it firm. Waste of time explaining it to Marquise, or damn near anyone. Most people didn't notice the strangeness around Mama Shug's place. Bryce had been watching her since he could remember. At 13, he couldn't think of a time when neighborhood peeps didn't buy sugar delights from her, or a time when the police didn't find random bodies all around the projects, scattered and hidden in the brush and garbage piles like morbid Easter eggs. Hood life was so sour, so full of lemons, your lips, heck, your soul, puckered. Anything sweet would do to give some pleasure. Hell, babies came out, full dark lips and a round O, seeking refuge from the bitter taste of hopelessness, solidified in 39 weeks of stress and an angst-filled womb. Was it any wonder kids flocked to Mama Shug's? Bryce glanced at Marquise. Still, a brother needed to be warned. Because of the bodies. These weren't like the kills of gangbangers, no, no. The corpses they found had withered open eyes, mouths frozen in fear and a terrified scream. All the bodies looked like they'd been sucked dry of all living goodness. They don't do nothing for the black and the missing, Bryce's neighbor always said. No one cared about a bunch of poor black young and gone missing. One time, she'd asked him, how come you always finding them bodies? Bryce looked her dead in the eyes, cause nobody cared about the black and the missing. She smiled then, a sad one. He couldn't tell her either about Mama Shug. Bryce adjusted his jeans and tried to spit far away from his Carolina hoodie. Nothing as gross as this licorice should touch his Carolina blue. Marquise wore a Carolina jersey too, but underneath, he wore a white t-shirt. They'd both gotten their hair braided and new clothes in anticipation of the local block party. A cold breeze rushed by and moved his earring, a tiny gold hoop. Most boys had what looked like diamond studs, but he hated the cubic zirconium. It didn't seem real. The last thing he wanted was an infected ear the size of a donut. Besides, he could think of other things to spend his money on. Marquis started busting rhymes to fill in the awkward silence between them. Every once in a while, Bryce would toss in a, yeah, to keep the flow going, but his heart wasn't in it, nor his mind. They passed the rec center's playground. Dirt-smeared yellow caution tape flapped in the wind. Last week, they found a body. Another body. Bryce had seen it, tossed along the cluster of rusty dumpsters, wedged between the stained, filthy mattresses someone had thrown out. Someone had tossed out a human being, along with so much trash, it reeked of rotting flesh and old garbage. Bryce knew it. Her. Cindy. He'd seen her getting her goodies at Mama Shug's just a few hours before finding her behind the dumpster. It had been him who went searching for her and called in the anonymous tip. He'd hung up before the 911 lady could ask his name. Bryce didn't have a death wish. Snitches got stitches. But Cindy deserved to be found. And soon, before her baby cousin came down to play ball at the wreck, Cindy had been his friend throughout all of elementary, but not his good friend. The girl ate too many sweets and stole from his trick-or-treat bag, but she didn't deserve that kind of death. Candy wraps had been tossed across her chest like she'd been some sort of treat. Goosebumps spread over Bryce's arms at the memory. He hunched back into his hoodie, seeking warmth. He shot a quick glance at Marquise. With his memory of the discovery still in pieces, he felt his warm blood trickle down his chin. Dang, bruh, you bleeding, Marquise pointed out with his pinky, the fingernail long and yellowing. 
Using the back of his hand, Bryce wiped it away. It didn't matter how much he swiped, he couldn't rid the taste out of his mouth. The candy sank like a stone into a lake, falling deeper and deeper into his core. His stomach churned at the impact. The scent of burned something clung to his nose, pushed its odor into his brain, and with each intake of breath came the scent. He coughed hard to dislodge the odor. Red brick dust crunched like grit in his mouth. You bite your tongue or something? Marquise pointed at him with a lollipop. No, I think this stupid licorice poked my cheek. It ain't no big deal. Bryce tried to sound brave, tried to make Marquise think he didn't care about the blood the licorice caused. Now he had ash, sugar, and copper flavors in his mouth. Dang, it tastes like crap. How come you know what crap tastes like? Marquise countered, smirking broadly. He licked his candy again, slurping the scarlet treat between his full lips. When he caught Bryce's frown, he laughed. Shut up. Bryce pretended to kick a rock. They walked up the hill from the rec center, having shot a few rounds of ball after deciding to eat their treats from Mama Shug's. Now with the rec and the hill at their backs, they approached the government-produced apartments. Each one bled into its neighbor, becoming a smear of identical front doors and concrete porches. The housing projects didn't do much in the way of decor or distinction. Cheap housing for the poor didn't warrant any type of luxury. Bryce had been born and raised in homes housing projects, but he knew that off of Rose Street, the third apartment from the curb always looked dark. Bright, sunny, summer days still found the porch somber and gloomy. Shadows huddled there in mass, defying the sun's bright cheeriness. It didn't matter how much light was out. Didn't matter about the streetlights, neither. The doorway of that apartment, Mama Shug's, held darkness, like she collected it or something all huddled up against the concrete porch and cheap siding. You want to go get your money back? Marquise asked. She'll let you get something else. The hairs on the back of Bryce's neck stood up. Mama Shug's hollow cheeks and wrinkling skin appeared in his mind like a specter. Her waxy skin shined like melted chocolate on the hot asphalt in the summer. Round, red-rimmed eyes peered out from beneath the fall of thick silver braids, matted with beads and ribbons and life. She smelled of death and sweetness, not all that different from his licorice. No, he didn't want his money back that bad. Nah, I'm good. He wasn't, but he wouldn't let Marquise know. A man had to keep his pride. No way would he let Marquise know how freaking scared he was of that woman. Bryce took two more steps. When he realized Marquise wasn't in step with him, he turned back around with dread piling into his already uneasy belly. Marquise put the entire sucker in his mouth once more. Even from this distance, Bryce could see a single slither of drool roll down the corner of his mouth. Marquise didn't move, didn't blink, and didn't breathe. Come on, man. Snap out of it. Bryce gently shook him. The cold wash of fear slipped across his shoulders. Wipe that off your chin. Huh? The rattling of metal against the broken sidewalk's asphalt, coupled with the bubbling of rubber wheels and the clanging of metal, set Bryce's teeth on edge. He glanced up just in time to see Mama Shug, hunched over and bent, pushing a stolen shopping cart. Like most, the right wheel wobbled over the cracked sidewalk. Cardboard boxes brimmed with colorful wrapped candy sat in the spot where a child would go. Her candy cart sliced through the chilly afternoon. Each step she took carried the promise of her sugary treats. And death. Bryce swallowed the hard knot of acid mixed with fear and ash. What the hell does she put in that licorice? 
At the sound of the cart, Marquise came to life. There she is. You can swap it out now. Uh, nah, I'm good. Marquise gave him a hard look and then frowned. You ain't scared. No, Bryce said with more bravery than he felt. He didn't want to be on Mama Shug's radar. He couldn't prove it, but his instincts told him she had something to do with Cindy's death. Like when he knew a drive-by was about to happen, or when he knew to stay in his room when his mama's boyfriend came over to visit. No one told him. He just knew. Yeah, you are. Marquise laughed, but it sliced short. It melded into a gaggle, a choking cough. Man, what's your... Bryce dropped his candy to the ground and watched in horror as Marquise's face grayed. Choking! Adrenaline burst through Bryce as he got behind Marquise. He couldn't remember how that thing he was supposed to do worked, but he did know how to take both his hands, clasp them together, and put them under the ribs. He pumped. A wheezing rattle came from Marquise's mouth, but not the chunk of ruby candy lodged in his airways. Come on! Bryce used all of his strength, prayed and cried as he tried to help clear his friend's airways. Man, don't do this! Marquise's chest rattled when his mouth opened. The air whistled around the sphere in his throat. The sickening sound fueled Bryce's determination. He squinted over Marquise's shoulder to Mama Shug. An open-mouthed grin took up most of her face. Those cold black eyes seemed to gleam in joy. Bryce couldn't look away from those dark pits. Darkness poured out in glistening tar, sticky, thick, and inescapable. He heard nothing but the rasp of Marquise's labored attempts to breathe. The trembling and rising panic made Marquise contort and flail his body and made it that much harder to hold him still. Stop moving, dude. I'm trying to help. Marquise gave some primal gurgle mixed with sorrow. It was the most terrifying sound Bryce had ever heard. A tear raced down his cheek. Help! The suddenly vacant street struck Bryce as strange. On most days, the yards, street corners, and flat porches crawled with people, most days just hanging out, throwing dice, or doing hair, just shooting the breeze. He realized then the bustle of project life, the rise and fall of bass-booming music, thumping from passing cars, the guffaws from foolishness and corner store beer, and the sharp shouting of disagreements that were all there before, like a living, breathing chorus, were gone. He scanned the neighborhood. Nothing moved. No sound. It didn't feel right. Not normal. For one, this was Saturday. Clear skies. First of the month. They disappeared the moment Mama Shug appeared. Stop doing it, he yelled across the still air. Stop what? She sounded like a thousand voices smashed and then flattened. He'd never get that voice out of his head. This, we need help. Tears huddled at the corners of his eyes. He gripped Marquise closer to him and heaved, his hands acting now on instinct. Would you like a sweet? You need a sweet. She stretched out her withered hand toward him. Three eyeballs, whole, with the optic nerve still attached, pooled in the middle of her palm. Bryce scrambled backward, taking Marquise with him. Stop it! She merely smiled at him, her empty mouth like a cave. Not today. Nobody else gonna die. He resumed the maneuver, shoving his panic deep while his anger rose. She wasn't taking any of his friends. Cindy would be the last. The day inched on, and Bryce lost track of time. Only two minutes went by, but it could have been two years. Mama Shug stopped a few feet away. 
Instead of lending a hand, she rubbed hers together like she was ready for a feast. She looks hungry. Come on, dude. Bryce partially prayed and whispered aloud. He heaved again before a hacking splat hit the sidewalk. Bright, scarlet, and still whole, the saliva-drenched hunk of candy cracked on the sidewalk in a watery pink pool. Marquis screamed, stumbled out of Bryce's arms, and collapsed in a heap to the sidewalk. Rubbing his throat, he tried to stand. You all right? Bryce held his elbow as he stood up. Yeah, Marcus croaked out. His face furrowed into pain. Suddenly, he hunched over in pain. Mama... She... It... Cackled. A sound from behind him caught his attention. But when he turned back to Mama Suge, she was gone. Only the shopping cart remained, its busted wheel creaking in a cold breeze. Marquis slacked back into Bryce's arms. The rise and fall of his skinny chest heaved once more, only once. Four days later. It isn't your fault, baby. You did what you could. Marquise's mama hugged Bryce before releasing him. He shuffled through the procession of mourners outside 4th Street Baptist Church. Words were said. Songs, somber and serious, were sung. Numbness hung over him, so none of it penetrated. Well, that wasn't all true. The persistent hot burn of fury kept him up and refused to wink out. Two days ago, he realized that he couldn't cry. This level of pissed-off torched all his grief. Only white-hot heat of revenge remained. He walked back home, and he found his older foster brother, Trey, sitting on the front porch they shared with the neighbors. Hey, you heard? Shit around here is cray-cray. Bryce sat. Just after one on Sunday, peeps slept in because they just got in. Others were at church. So he and Trey held down the front yard. Rain poured into already flooded corners of the lawns and backed up sewers. Bryce touched his cheek and winced. The injury from the licorice still hurt. He spat out pink spittle onto the sidewalk. Again. Yeah? Trey smoked a blackened mouth cigarette. They ain't seen Tasha since yesterday. Damn. Yeah. Her mama called the cops. They said she a runaway. Bryce hunched back into his hoodie. Nowadays, he was cold, always cold. That's what they always say about us. True that? Trey blew a stream of sweet-smelling smoke. We runaways or dealing, our death don't matter. Except to us. Bryce shoved his fists into his hoodie's pockets. Trey didn't have it wrong. Cops didn't give a shit about this neighborhood. Not that it mattered. They couldn't stop Mama Suge anyway. Yeah. Except to us, Bryce muttered, a grin inching across his face. We handle our own ish. Bryce stood up. Yeah, we do. The 9mm handgun felt strange in Bryce's hand. He'd climbed the concrete stairs to his room and shut the door. No curtains, so the day's full gloominess poured in. He had found Trey on his bed watching the day travel on, a paper bag in his lap. You sure you know what you're doing? Trey now stood by Bryce's bedroom window, though she didn't want in the gang. I don't. Bryce shoved the gun into his backpack. Along the floor, his now-expelled textbooks sat next to his sneakers. So what you need that piece for? Trey didn't turn to look at him. Cause the world is cray-cray. Bryce heard the harshness in his tone. 
Trey flinched, then smirked. Well, damn. Sorry. Trey faced him. I know you got a lot going on since Keith died. I don't need to know what you're doing. You're one of the smartest peeps I know, so you probably know what you're doing. That's good enough for me. With that, Trey left. Bryce took up the spot at his window and waited for nightfall. I hope so. A fat moon full of light rested on thick clouds overhead. Bryce walked quickly through the equally dark streets to his destination. Porch lights acted as guides, illuminating his course. Sweaty palms, quivering stomach, and the cold handgun's metal biting into the small of his back made him uneasy. His hoodie covered it from others' views, but he knew it was there. Each step served to remind him. Too soon he reached his destination and knocked on the door. The inside of his cheek burned and filled his mouth with the taste of ash and blood. Before he could spit, the door creaked open. Yes. I want to buy some candy, he coughed over the lie. Mama Suge wore a threadbare sweater. Her broom skirt and slippers grinned at Bryce. Her black hair wrap made it look like she only had eyes, nose, and a mouth. Through thick glasses, she peered at him. I know you, Bryce shuddered. I have just what you want. She receded into the apartment's dark. Bryce reached behind him, put his hand on his gun, and followed her inside. The place smelled just as it had before, sweetness and dirt, like it had been closed up and not aired out for decades. Bryce tried to hold his breath. She led him through the dim living room and to the back room, the kitchen. There, an orange light cast shadows on the wall. On a table, several boxes with candy clearly labeled with prices set. She turned to him. Here. Bryce peered at her, small, frail, hunched over, bent by time and age. Mama Suge didn't seem threatening. He released the gun and put both hands into his hoodie's pockets. His cheek throbbed, and his mouth felt full of warm blood. This isn't what you want, is it? Mama Suge asked, removing her glasses. Be honest. You aren't here for these kind of sweets. No, no ma'am, I'm not. I thought... He stopped. What did he think? She stood up to her full height, the hunch vanishing before his eyes. Bryce stumbled backward, his hands failing to grab the gun. What the hell are you? Mama Suge grinned. This time her mouth held nice, neat rows of teeth. You really don't know, do you? Know what? Bryce's hand shook as his hand found the gun at last. He pulled it from its hiding spot and felt the calm of power steady him. Huh? Know what? That you killed all them kids? Sucking out souls like some demon? Mama Suge laughed. A thousand voices flattened into one. I didn't kill anyone. Liar! Bryce squeezed the trigger. Firing this close to Mama Suge should have dropped her like a sack of potatoes. Instead, she flickered like a faulty light switch and became solid once more. She peered at him with eyes now clear and free of cataracts. Between feedings, you tend to forget. You love the sugar high, but the crash makes you blank out. Bryce shut his eyes. What? No, no. Yes, son. Son. Son? The gun shook in his fist, but fell to the floor. Memory flashes sliced with sharp, stinging precision. The kiss he and Cindy shared out behind the rec center, 
Her screams, her blood siphoned like a slurpee, all consumed until only the husk remained. Bryce's hands scattering crinkled wrappers across the body. The visions blurred, then Marquise in his arms. Bryce's feeding tubular stabbed Marquise's ear, gut-wrenching gurgling as Bryce took huge sips of his life. The delight he took in consuming the sugar-drenched blood wrecked through him. Bryce fell to his knees. No, it's a trick, a mind trick. At that moment, the burning in his cheek flared. Something else moved in his mouth, and it wasn't his tongue. Screaming, Bryce opened his mouth and outshot a flesh-toned tubular. It searched the air, seeking sweetness, hungry. Mama Shug wasn't hungry, he was. Holding his hand over his cheek, Bryce shuddered as the cold realization filtered over him. Him. It had been him all along. Tears fell to the floor. You lying, he roared through the tubular. Liar! Mama Shug opened the pantry's door and inside a bound and gagged Tasha Hicks wiggled and thrashed. Not traditional food in this pantry, but a living and breathing girl. You brought her over right after the funeral. Mama Shug fingered one of the girl's curls. No. Bryce shut his eyes tight to banish the nightmare. Tasha's muffled whimpering broke through and wrenched him mentally back into the room. Had it all been true? His head hurt and he staggered to his feet. The long appendage hanging out of his mouth spoke to the truth. It was real, gooey and seeking substance. That hadn't been a trick. Tasha's eyes widened when she saw him, but not in relief, in fear. At this, his memory block broke and outpoured truth. Mama Shug squeezing his hand. Scores of countless faces filled his vision. Scoops of flesh, hunks of humans, greedily consumed, happily munched by him. He'd witnessed decades dawn and set, no teenager, but infinite. Bryce looked up at Mama Shug. She fed the stock candy to sweeten their blood, so when they fed, it was delicious. Marinating the meat, all those faces and countless surprised expressions frozen in time. Those sweet treats they scarfed down made them tasty. Er, little flesh cakes filled with delicious, dark red filling. He reeled in his tubular, now on reflex, as his true nature returned. You remember? It wasn't a question. She stepped back from Tasha. You must have come home seeking something sweet. Bryce nodded. Thanks, Mama. Mama Shug came to stand beside him. With her hot breath on his cheek, she patted his shoulder. You always had one hell of a sweet tooth. Thanks again to our patrons for supporting this podcast. Because of your support, listeners around the world get creepy tales in their ears every other week. If you want new stories every week, the only way for that to happen is to join the Nightlight Legion by going to patreon.com slash nightlightpod and supporting this podcast. You can also make a one-time donation via PayPal at paypal.me slash nightlightpodcast. If you're unable to support us financially, word of mouth is the next best way to help. Give us a shout out online on Twitter or Instagram at nightlightpod or like us on Facebook at nightlightpod. Reviews are also a huge help, so please be sure to leave a few kind words on your podcast platform of choice. Audio production for this episode by the incomparable Jen Zink. And to thank you for listening until the very end, we have a creepy fact for you. 
We've all heard the legend of poisoning Halloween candy that led parents to inspect their children's Halloween halls for decades before letting them dig in. But did you know that candy poisoning really did happen in Victorian England in 1858? To be fair, pretty much anything could poison you during that time. Fabric, wallpaper, cleaners, and quote-unquote remedies. But the cause of the children's deaths was a very much modern concern. Profit. You see, the candy maker, like many during that time, cut his candy with powdery substitutes given the high cost of sugar. But he accidentally grabbed arsenic instead of the more inert gypsum powder that was often used. 12 pounds of arsenic was added to a 40-pound batch of candy, meaning a single candy had enough arsenic to kill a fully-grown man. Before the news not to eat the candy could spread, seven adults, 13 children died, and hundreds became seriously ill. Given that it was all accidental, no one went to jail for the mayhem, but it did lead to laws calling for clear labeling of and special bottles for poisons. But in 1974, a father poisoned his son's Halloween candy for life insurance money. He also laced other kids' candy with cyanide to throw police off his trail, but luckily those kids never ate the candy. But still, to this day, parents across the country dutifully eat their children's candy, not just as a tax for escorting them from house to house, but also to make sure that if their children are going to die, they'll die right along with them. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new story. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.